Can everybody shout hey yo to Mrs. Couch Potato? She's in her own world in the state of San Diego. Charles and Adi Ado, her way to my Good evening, ladies, gentlemen, attack helicopters, multiverse Spider-Man. I am very, very excited to welcome you to the very first episode of the Rejected Potato Skins podcast, where no matter how us potato skins were discarded, we can come together for a common cause. My name is Edward. And I am very, very upset that NVIDIA decided to have my drivers crash and I had to reinstall them right before making this. I also make fur coats for hairless cats. I like that Spider-Man plug you did. And I'm Shane, and I manufacture already expired maple syrup. Um, wait, 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 hold on, hold on, wait. <laughs> wait, already, wait, already expired. Already expired maple so syrup. So it comes off of the ex- what? It comes off. It comes off the assembly line already, struggling to come out of the bottle when I make pancakes in the morning. Or like, how does? That sounds how, like wait, me does... just when I was born and oh, oh. trying to survive ever since. <laughs> oh. Anyways, oh. <laughs> I wanted to talk about. Oh, uh... <laughs> Moving on from that little tidbit. Welcome to Rejected Potato oh. Skins, by the way. Uh... <laughs> I wanted to talk to you about uh, the current GPU shortage with NVIDIA and AMD. Um, I actually, I sent you a link to this article. Uh, there's currently, there was a truck heist here truck in heist. California with NVIDIA's GPU graphics cards. Um, and I mean, obviously, you know about the chip shortage, the supply chain issues with everything going on with um, COVID and all that fun stuff. Um Right, it uh, we're seeing, you know, video cards <laughs> like mine. In addition to already being pretty scarce, this doesn't help the fact that there was a truck in California transporting a lot of graphics cards, and yeah, it got robbed. Literally, a GPU truck heist. Um, it was a truckload of NVIDIA RTX graphics cards that were stolen in the U.S. traveling from San Francisco to EVGA's Southern California Distribution Center. Um, they didn't say how many were stolen, um, but the cards were ranging anywhere from $330 all the way up to $2,000 each. Um, and because it took place in California, they're saying that, uh, PC gamers purchasing from scalpers in the state may end up with a stolen GPU. And for the record, NVIDIA has all of these, um, SKU numbers on the GPUs logged in the, you know, the truck heist. So... When you're shopping online, if you're looking for these GPUs, just make sure to keep an eye out for those SKUs. I'm pretty sure there is a list you can find online of those SKU numbers. I would cross-reference those, excuse me, um, because if you do have one that is stolen, there's going to be probably some issues. They've probably deactivated the SKU. You won't be able to register your product. Um, so if you are buying used, I would definitely take a look into that. Um, Edward, how do you think, because I know with you your whole uh luck in the past year with trying to find a graphics card in the first place oh my god someone in your position kind of how do you feel right now hearing something you know hearing this news so i unfortunately uh my my whole computer situation wasn't really done in the best timing i i basically spent my entire summer trying to save up enough money to essentially just completely overhaul my uh, my gaming setup and my desktop setup. Um, and I eventually had to concede that if I wanted to do this, I would end up having to buy a video card. But unfortunately, it was going to have to be 
at a price that I didn't like. So I ended up going with an RTX 3060 in this instance uh, because originally, as I think I've told you, uh, I haven't had very good luck with tech this year, and I tried to buy an RTX 3060 Ti, and this RTX 3060 Ti I got was dead on arrival. I plopped it into my Kitio Node Pro, and it was dead. Just flat out dead. I had to send it back. I had to get my money back. I was... Don't you hate that? What? Sick. Don't you hate that? Yeah, it's just... <sighs> because I think you know, like I, you remember this as well. Not too long before that, I think it was back in July, I had bought a new laptop. Mm-hmm. I think it was like an MSI laptop. And it was also broken when it first arrived. It was making this really, really weird clicking noise. And so I had to send that back. And then when I got it back, it was still making the noise. And so I had to get rid of it. And so now I have a Dell XPS 13. And... So I I was already having a lot of problems with tech. And so to see that someone decided that, screw it, I'm going to pretend to be Michael from GTA 5 and get his buddies together (laughs) and, you know, you know, go off and plan a heist and take a like take a bunch of graphics cards. It feels like a real life GTA scenario here. I mean, I don't (laughs) I feel like I've done this with you in Los Santos. Like, I feel like this is one of those inventory like CEO missions that, you know, we just go and collect and then we have to like go grab a plane and then, you know, just fly on down. There's the truck. But then there are people trying to kill us and everything. Is this really what we have to do just to get a new GPU nowadays? I mean, you know, I'm this has me thinking because, you know, you know how excited I am, and I know you've been following it, and I'm sure everyone else who's listening has. Uh, and honestly, this is going into our next topic, but so we're, we're going into the GPU shortage, which isn't just from computers, but is also going into the console world. You know, AMD makes the uh, graphics chips and stuff for the consoles, and even the consoles are in shortage. I mean, if you look at anyone trying to get a PS5, from everything I've heard, it's been nearly impossible to get one. And the console's been out for, what, a year now? Right. Um, obviously, this is due to supply chain shortages, a strain on the economy right now, not enough people in the workforce, a lot of issues, clearly. Um, not really going to talk about that, but I did want to kind of talk about, you know, with this shortage, with us already having trouble just getting basic uh, gaming consoles and GPUs for our computers, we have Steam coming out with a brand new product that i'm very excited for uh i've pre-ordered i'm pretty sure if you've been in the know if you follow this stuff if you're as into tech as edward and i are um you're going to be knowing about the steam deck um which originally was supposed to come out i believe towards the end of this year is now coming out uh it was delayed by two months so it is coming in february uh of 2022 so in two months from now um they will be shipping out the first pre-ordered model units of those um i did pre-order mine and uh let me check really quick actually let's see where i am in the queue um when i first pre-ordered i pre-ordered i think a day or two after the page first opened and if any of you have pre-ordered the steam deck or have been following it it's a big success a lot of people are very interested in this product and i am as well um it's definitely not meant to blow anything out of the water but you're going to be able to play most of the games that you enjoy maybe not the number one AAA games in the world but keep in mind this is gaming on a 720p screen uh well i guess 800 resolution right it's that 
that's very specific little special resolution for them. But uh, you are gaming on a yeah, was, lower resolution. It's twelve hundred uh, by eight hundred. Is that what it is? I think so. So I'm on the Steam Deck page, and um, for reference, I pre-ordered mine a day after it got announced, uh, and after or a day after pre-orders went alive. You know, whenever that time frame was. And since since all the uh, kind of pushbacks, you know, originally the first round of uh, the Steam Decks were supposed to come out this month, and I bought the uh, or I pre-ordered the highest model, which is uh, the 512 gigabyte NVMe SSD, uh, and it's going for 650. It's got the fastest storage. It's got nanite glare, etched screen, um, and then there's some extra stuff I don't really care about, but I just wanted the fastest storage. The storage is expandable. You can put in a micro SD and it's up to, I don't know what it is. It's pretty high. You can expand the storage. So even if you go with the lower price, uh, their lowest price one is $400 for 64 gigabytes of an eMMSC um, I think you can storage. expand, as of right now, I think mm-hmm. the largest SD card, like micro SD card I've seen is like one terabyte. Um, I think the most that I've ever... The most I've ever owned is a 128 gig, which happens to be sitting in my Thunderbolt dock right now doing absolutely nothing. But, yeah. We even saw demos of it running games mm-hmm. off of it, right? I think that that mm-hmm. very first demo they had was of the cheaper unit, the one that did not have NVMe storage, but rather it was the, e, it was the WMC with an sd card like a micro sd card and yet there seemed to be no performance issues granted they probably chose games that weren't very storage heavy but that that to me was an encouraging sign i i just think, oh yeah yeah um and you know steam great company make pretty solid hardware even their failed products uh you know like their steam machines or their controller, which ultimately got discontinued. Um, you bought a Steam controller, though. I mean, what do you have to say about their hardware? I mean, I've been reading up on the Steam Deck, the new hardware, obviously, and it looks great. Construction quality looks awesome. I know you were actually, uh, I mean, as far as I know, you actually liked the Steam controller. Uh, one of very few, I should say. Uh, <laughs> let's just say that the, the learning curve w- was very difficult. Imagine holding, like, a cell phone, right? You have one joystick that, sorry, yeah, you have you have one joystick that comes out of it, and then you have two touchpads, and then you have, it's like an inverted version of an Xbox controller, because, like, the handles go upward to allow your hand, your thumbs to sort of sit on the touch D-pad and the touch um, equivalent of the right stick, and then you have your A, X, Y, B buttons, but they're in the, like, they're in the place of where you would find them on, like, a Nintendo controller. There's one left analog stick, and then obviously you have your Steam, you know, your Steam button in the middle and everything, and you have your, you know, normal sort of buttons. But the thing that I really liked about this controller um, is the fact that it had buttons on the bottom side. They were mm-hmm. like kind of like uh, if you've ever seen like the uh, Elite controller, the Xbox Elite controller, um, where it has buttons that go on the bottom side. Mm-hmm. Those could be programmed to basically do anything. Um, but overall, controller quality I thought was high. I 
Never. And they've got those buttons that you're talking about on the new Steam Deck. There's they two do. of them on each side, um, right. which is really cool for them to implement. My question for you, how do you feel, did you ever use the touchpad controls? They had these two concave circles on there. If you've ever held one or seen a photo of the original Steam controller, you'll know what I'm talking about. Obviously, Edward knows here. Yeah. Did you ever use those? How did you use them? And then looking at the Steam Deck, seeing that they're bringing them back, but making them just these squared off, basically they look like trackpads. Um, what do you see as the best use for those? I guess is my question. Obviously, it's good for precision, but sometimes everyone thinks precision and they're always, they always go to shooters and stuff. Sometimes that's not always better, in my opinion, because to me, it would feel like kind of playing on a phone at that point with the swipes and stuff. How do you feel on the touch controls that Steam has implemented in their controllers that they believe so hard enough to bring into their new product? They're clearly trying to make this a mainstream thing. You know, they tried it with the Steam controller, now they're bringing it back into the Steam Deck, this new product that's come out years after the Steam controller was even discontinued. Um, I think the Steam controller was discontinued, what, two or three years ago. So kind of what's your input uh, on the touch interface that they have there? Um, from you having experience with using the original Steam Controller? I would say the Steam Controller was very, very good at giving people who wanted a more keyboard and mouse-like experience but didn't necessarily have the means of bringing a keyboard and mouse somewhere that sort of touch ability. So, you know, games that don't have keyboard and mouse input right. on PC or... You know, maybe you have like a Call of Duty game that you're trying to play on the couch, but, you know, maybe you want a little bit more accuracy than a normal controller, but, you know, you don't really have the space to put a keyboard and mouse. That was very good at it. The thing that I didn't like about this controller was the fact that, well, for one, the triggers were abysmal. Um, but secondly, it kind of forced you into this sort of awkward position where if you really really wanted to use the touch controls it was very easy to do so but swapping back and forth between them almost felt a little unwieldy because you know you have your your stereotypical like joystick here on the left but then you know because of this like touchpad style thing on the right you were almost playing with two different in interfaces at the same time which meant that if I was really, really comfortable, say, for example, I had maybe been playing uh, racing games for the longest time, and, you know, I, for whatever reason, I was forced to use the touchpad instead of, like, a, nor like a secondary joystick, that would be really unnerving. Because of that placement? Right. But on the Steam Deck, and I'm glad to see that they did this, they gave you two thumbsticks. And do you like that, like, uh, I, I call it, uh, I don't even, if it's the original, whatever, but I just call it the PlayStation style of where the analog places are, where it's directly across, across from each other, parallel versus the Xbox, where it's kind of going one on the top left and one on the bottom right, versus these ones are both just on the top. How do you feel? I mean, personally, I don't mind. I do feel, obviously, with the way your thumbs are when you're holding a controller, Xbox has it down really well. Um, I'm looking right now at a little photo of the Steam Deck right now. You see the Steam Deck, and there are so many buttons on this thing. I mean, they have jam-packed it. You can see the A, B, X, Y buttons in the top right. The B and the Y are literally on the edge. Like, the buttons themselves actually curve with the form of the console itself, uh, or the device, whatever you want to call it. Um, handheld console, I guess, right? Um, and obviously, all these buttons do things. I mean, do you feel like 
they're trying to pack too many things into this or you think you're gonna realistically like even the four buttons on the back you think you're realistically going to use these or is it just going to be too much in one one's compact space you know so just looking at the shape of it they don't expect you to hold this thing like a standard xbox controller right because the standard xbox controller the grips fall away from the surface like they like if you're looking at the surface of it they sort of curve away the farther you go down the controller that kind of tends to bring your hands a little bit farther around on it like it they not only curve down but then they push your hands out mm -hmm. so your hands have this natural tendency to have your thumbs face inward at a 45 degree angle looking at looking at the picture here it's relatively flat for most of it and then it sort of starts to taper away towards the bottom and so gauging from what i can see on that it doesn't seem too unwieldy um i remember linus tech tips had a review of this that like a brief brief hands-on and said that the controls felt fine i believe him i believe him just where the spacing of everything is nothing is actually angled which i think was critical if they had put the d-pad and the joysticks at 45 degree angles from each other and one of them being in the middle of the of the device and one of them being at the top of the device that would honestly probably break a lot of its functionality but they kept them parallel to each other like you were saying and it i i could see how this would be annoying for certain crowds you know like, oh i'm gonna accidentally hit the touchpad you're not gonna hit the touchpad by accident because look where they are they are directly well look they're directly below the analog you're bound sticks. to touch them with the bottom of your thumb or you know this your palm of your hand you're going to be brushing against it so if you're not using those touchpad controls well i'd say just stay disable I, I i actually this is where i might disagree i don't think you're going to brush those because your thumb in most instances is going to be on the analog stick and unless your thumb slips off the analog stick you're not going to hit that touchpad because it's at a 45 degree angle to the ABXY buttons and you know and to the uh, D-pad on the other side so unless you like somehow find a way to slip in that direction I don't see that being as big of it I mean at least for me I, I would not see that as a very big issue I think it's just nice that we have the option to be able to disable certain controls as we want and we saw that with the classic Steam controller being able to create custom profiles that we would see people create through steam big picture um, where you could create different profiles for your controller depending on what game you were playing even for non-steam games and i thought that was steam's done a really well you know a really good job of integrating that into their controls and kind of being open source with their audience to be able to create you know custom profiles for this thing but just the way they've done it i feel like the interface is super clean and with that on the interface as well i wanted to talk about proton and they're going to be releasing um what do they call it steam big picture 3 basically is what it is right how do you feel them running on proton and basically them announcing you know hey it's open source and if you don't like the steam ui the new one that they've created just for the steam deck you can bootload uh windows onto it or linux whatever you want basically mm -hmm. um how do you see different crowds kind of using this to advantage? I mean, obviously the most obvious one's gonna be emulation softwares. 
if you ever were to get a Steam Deck and, and working with Proton and stuff and, and having your background, I mean, would you use that opportunity to kind of customize the software or would you do you feel you would just keep it as is? It's running an Arch version of Linux, which right. I know is going to make some people very happy and other people not very happy. But obviously, they, I mean, they they had everything controlled in-house. So if you're controlling everything in-house, Arch is fine. But you kind of said it before, this isn't just a proprietary hardware kit. You can install whatever software you want on it. And the way that I see this is trying to bring AAA level game quality to handhelds. That hardcore PC gaming landscape that dedicated PC gamers look for. You know, because I remember you originally had a Vita and which is now sitting in my drawer and (laughs) (laughs) the great thing about that thing was you know i could play almost any backwards compatible retro or classic games that i wanted from the playstation store but then i also had you know more modern titles you know i think there was a ratchet and uh, clank game for that console there were a couple of racing games there was a black ops on there (laughs) as well like there was a call of duty black ops there was also a Um, There was an Uncharted game, like a full-on canon Uncharted game for for that console. That's right. But it failed. The big reason for that at the time was there was this dissonance between, like, AAA level gaming, which was primarily on, you know, consoles and then, you know, PCs, although the PC hadn't taken off as the number one yet, at least for AAA games. And then you had the mobile platform where all these mobile handheld consoles sort of died away or began dying away with the advent of smartphones and smartphone gaming and that whole landscape. Right. I mean, cause I think it was like the, I remember it was the iPhone six. I think the iPhone six in 2014, it was like, remember the, the first year of the two to three size iPhones. Mm-hmm. So that year, I remember seeing a demo. I think it was by Austin Evans where using emulator like emulation and using like a variety of different things people were actually taking old xbox and ps3 games and having them run on the iphone and so mobile gaming was exploding you know the hardware like the hardware capabilities were i think the iphone 6 was right along the same gpu capability of the xbox 360 and the playstation 3 in in my opinion i think where it started to change was in 2018 i think is where the shift started happening so you remember the rtx launch the Mm -hmm. first ever like the 2000 series ray tracing was everywhere i mean everyone wanted it right but there were no like first of all there was like a there was a hundred dollar tax which we colloquially called the rtx tax (laughs) the second thing was the fact that like there were not like there was sort of a split at the time of like you know not only where where the future of gaming was going but systems were getting really really expensive i think to get you know an rtx like 2080 at the time and then like an intel core i7 or core i9 9900k that was approaching almost like a $2,500 to $3,000 system excuse me um, and so, you know, usually when that happens, there, there's usually like, there, there's problems that follow. I mean, right. So 
as systems got more and more expensive, it, it, it began to get harder and harder to upgrade and go to the next like hardware level. And you know, we saw that with like uh, the Steam hardware survey. Like, can you guess what the number one GPU on Steam's hardware survey is? The number one GPU? Yeah, the number one GPU in Steam's hardware survey. For an RTX card? No, no, no. Just for any any graphics card, what is the number one Ooh. GPU registered in the Steam hardware survey? I don't even know. Is it a 1070? You're close, actually. You're very close. What is it? It is the GTX 1060. Oh. That makes up just over 10%. Okay. Of uh, the Steam Hardware Survey and interesting. At least at a, as the at at the time of recording this, that was the last number that I had read. And the 1050 Ti was actually not too far behind that. So that sort of you know 200 to 300 dollar video card range from five years ago made up, if not like if it's not, it's very close. Twenty percent of all gpus registered on the steam hardware survey Jeez. so when you consider that it, it it seemed like the peak of being able to upgrade to a new tier graphics card was back then back when a 1060 was around the same performance as a gtx 980 right and then you know that video card coming in at what was it i think it was like 300 like 300 to 329 dollars us mm-hmm just to compare, the GTX 680 of 2012 was 500. The GTX 980 of 2014 was 500, and the GTX 1070 was 379. So this was a huge price increase, especially then. So bringing this back to the whole topic of like the mobile gaming sector you know it's not just the steam deck by the way you know you also have like the gpd win 3 and you know the a and neo razors whatever the heck they're doing but like you could almost sort of feel that there was like going to be a switch from between prioritizing being on the absolute highest end of hardware to maybe going back to the idea of like hey you know let, let let's game let, let's game on a platform that is not only portable and doesn't take up too much space but also consumes less power makes it a little bit you know easier to you know get into it that way you're not having to like buy a monitor a keyboard a mouse um and also especially with like you know laptops in general like exploding in terms of their performance ability i think it was uh, you know like Intel's 11th gen and AMD AMD's Ryzen 4000 and 5000 series mobile CPUs have gotten so much better. I I, I remember back in the day comparing like a 4790K to a 4720HQ, it wasn't even close. It wasn't even close, dude. I I could like I had a 980M, a GTX 980M in that laptop. Remember that big chungus laptop I had for like what was it? It was like 3 years. It was like three and a half years. And, you know, that, that CPU could not match my overclocked 4790K. Granted, it was overclocked, but also I was running, I was running more than twice the power. 
And the second thing was mobile GPUs have also gotten a lot better. So you package really efficient, really, really high IPC CPUs in a mobile platform and GPUs in a mobile platform. And, and I think that that has really allowed, and with also AMD's resurgence back into the industry, I, 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 th I think that change was almost inevitable. AMD's comeback was just so well-timed. It's the hero we needed, but the hero we didn't deserve. You know that saying? <laughs> uh, I mean, literally, that's AMD, right? Well, for, like, about, for about two generations. And then once they, right. once they were on top, all of a sudden it was like, hey, ooh, we're going to make this $50 more. And ooh, our motherboards are going to be more expensive now. And ooh, you wanted availability? Mm. <clears throat> <laughs> good luck with that one. They were the good guys until, until actually couldn't make them look like the good guys anymore and then they were basically like oh now we're king isn't that always how it is though oh yeah pretty much i mean what i mean they're in it to make money as soon as they can make more money they will make more money yeah i don't want anyone to be di I, I don't think you or i are disillusioned to that but it was i i think when we were building your computer oh my gosh hashtag bring back 24 hour builds um when we were doing that everything was cheaper oh, i think yeah. You originally wanted, it was a 9900K, and mm. you wanted, yeah, and it was going to be, like, you know, it, it was going to be extremely, like, high-end. I think you wanted, like, an Asus Deluxe motherboard to go with it. Mm -hmm. But then I, I remember telling you, hey, go with a Ryzen, you know, 3800X, and, you know, go with an X470 motherboard, and you should be fine. Yep. And... You know, that ended up saving you, what was it, like $300 or something like that at the time? And it worked great. Good luck doing that now. <laughs> We're in different times right now, that's for sure. Also, it's like, good luck trying to get a 5800X and like and a and, a, and an X570 motherboard to go with it. No chance. <laughs> yeah, that, that's not happening. Yeah, it's just, that that's not happening. Yeah, that, but, so I mean... So for you, actually, particularly for someone who you know has been trying to sell off the remains of the desktop that I I, I, I fucked up. It's fine. Still selling my uh, motherboard, by the way, and my case, beautiful case. Uh, it's got a very nice little. It's very nice. Light display on the Tetris front. On <laughs> you can play your retro games in your PC case. I mean, how cool is that? But, you know, you have this, like, smaller desktop that you have now. Right, which wasn't supposed to be my main system, but now it is. No. But it works great. I, I still can't believe you somehow <laughs> accidentally bought 32 gigs of RAM. <laughs> I, right. I, I still think that's hilarious. I forgot about that. Because I put them in, and you were in, I was like, I was like, dang, man, you, like, really shelled out for this. It's like, I didn't even mean to select that option on Amazon. Yeah, you, you didn't even know until we were assembling it. You were like, wait, what? It came perfect for an hour when recording these <laughs> podcasts and editing them. It's great. <laughs> I'm not complaining now. That's true. Um, That's true. And especially around the holiday season, you can have multiple tabs open to see the world burn and oh, get your Christmas presents. Get, no, 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 Edward. It's our Christmas presents. Ah, Yes. I think the final sort of idea that, that came from this is you have that desktop now and you don't necessarily want to have to upgrade it, especially not right now. So it almost makes sense to look more towards like, well, okay, how do I play 
you know, more games on the go. How am I going to, you know, introduce a new type of gaming experience? And by the way, for people who are worried about, like, hardware being obsolete in a smaller, which is, like, one reason, like, personally, I'm not huge on laptops, which is why I built, originally I built this, this was supposed to be my quote-unquote laptop. It's not. It's a really compact PC. Think about the size of, like, the Xbox One. It's just a tad bigger than that. But I had this big backpack. I could fit it all in, and I can carry it with me. The reason I did that, though, is because I wanted, uh, and the reason why I love computers so much, obviously, is I can upgrade it myself over the years as parts become obsolete. Laptops are great. You can do that with certain laptops. But they're very expensive. It's not going to be the full PC components, in my opinion. Totally never got knee-deep in that at all on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to, like, edge a little lightly were, on that because... Throwing. You weren't throwing me under the bus. You had the bus slowly <laughs> ramp up behind me and then just run me over at, right before I noticed what was happening. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I, I, I do kind of deserve it because I spent two grand on a laptop that doesn't even have... Beautiful no, it's, laptop. It's gorgeous and it's... Nothing wrong, nothing wrong with laptops, no, by it, the way. It, I think the only downside is sort of... A lot of the more AAA level games that you know we've been trying to play, you know, Battlefield 2042, Assassin's Creed, you know, as GPU limited as they are these days, especially me, I'm running a 3440 by 1440 monitor. You still need like a four gigahertz CPU on at least four cores, and the problem with my machine is I can run 4.1 gigahertz for about. 30 seconds because it pulls about 40 watts on a cpu that was never designed to handle more than about 25 and so unless i want to freaking burn my desk down uh i have to run it at like 3.2 to 3.7 which depending on the game is totally fine but in more modern titles I really wish I had just made a better decision and just gone with like an XPS 15 or, you know, maybe like one of those like MSI prestige laptops or something, you know, just, just one of those that actually had like an 11800H or, uh, you know, an 11900H or, you know, one of, one of those types of things. I mean, and, and also for the record, like obviously the Steam Deck's not going to be very upgradable either. They have said you can open it. They don't recommend it, but you can upgrade what is it, the storage or whatever. Um, but my whole thing with the Steam Deck is also because eventually the GPU uh, and, and all the system components in it will, you know, will be kind of obsolete in the future and pretty fast with how fast tech rolls around. But another nice thing with the Steam Deck, if you've used Steam Big Picture Mode, if you use Steam, if you're familiar with them, and, and just gaming in general right now, obviously the technology's not there just yet. Internet speeds aren't fast enough, but they're going to get there eventually. You can stream everything off of your main computer onto your Steam Deck. Kind of mm -hmm. like, you know, these other systems that you have at home. Like, kind of like, think of the Wii U, actually. Throwback to the Wii U, which was basically the Nintendo Switch is what the Wii U was supposed to be. We're throwing it back now with Nintendo. But what the Wii U did was was streaming the games off of the console or whatever, you know, however it kind of worked. Yeah, it streamed off the main hardware, so it had onboard video, like wireless video adapter, and then it would send that to the display in the controller. And you know, so for example, when your um, little sister wants to get on and uh, watch The Voice, you can you can do the more 
fun thing, which is send uh, Mario Kart over to your handheld display. That I think we would kill for on a console these days. We would totally kill for something like that today. And you can do that with the Steam Deck. And my biggest thing was, hey, when the hardware becomes obsolete on the Steam Deck, because it will, um, and obviously they have confirmed, like they've even said, they said, yeah, we're, you know, based on success, which just based off the pre-orders, I think it's going to be a pretty big success. Obviously, can't know until the full product comes out, but from the reviews we've seen so far, the hardware, knowing the company, Valve's a great company, I think it's going to be a hit. Mm-hmm. Um, they have said, you know, based on the success, they're going to release a second version of this console down the line. It's it's going to be, you know, whatever they name it, the Steam Deck 2, whatever, their next console. And it may be similar physical-wise. It may be it's just different internals. Um, throwbacks to the whole Nintendo Switch Pro situation or whatever it was called. And it wasn't exactly uh, the OLED oh, yeah, the, display the, one the where they OLED. didn't even change the internals and they only changed the screen. Everyone was ticked, understandably. Um, so either we're going to have that kind of situation or it's going to be actually, hey, we need to upgrade the internals. But like, I'm not even worried about that because once it does run out and, and by that time, I'll probably buy a new one. But if I don't want to or whatever, having that ability to be able to stream games onto my system from my computer, which runs Steam already on it natively, be able to play games off of my computer hardware, have my computer being doing the workload and then just you know, playing it on my console, which you can already do on like your phones and stuff, but it's going to work much better on an actual console that's meant for gaming, that's made by Steam, made for its big picture mode with its new um, Steam OS 3 with Proton running on it and everything. I feel like that's going to work really well, which is why I'm also not worried. You know, you might thinking be thinking, you know, when I said earlier on, on laptops with them, most laptops, unless you spend a lot of money on these higher end laptops, you can't really upgrade them too much. The same can be said for the Steam Deck, and yes, you can do this with a laptop as well, but like I said, being that it's being created by the company who has the storefront page, all the game, you know, all the games and everything that I play, um, and being the launcher that I use primarily, which is the Steam OS, um, having that integrated into the console, being able to stream games off my computer onto the Steam Deck makes me feel that much more secure so that when the, the hardware on it does become a little obsolete and it can't really keep up, with today's games, which by the way, again, you're not gonna be able to play every AAA game, you know, at optimum speeds and everything, but it is downscaling to 720, or not 720, a little above 720, 800, whatever that custom resolution is. So it is gonna play, it's it's gonna play really good because you're not playing at a full 4K resolution, obviously. Um, and, but even when that does become obsolete, uh, which honestly, by the time it does, I'll probably, like I said, have something else at that time because that's going to be quite a while. But you can still use the console. You don't need to throw it away. You can stream it off of your computer or you can backload Windows on it. You can get um, you can get an emulator. You can play, you can play, you can get a Nintendo Switch emulator on this thing. You can, you can get a Nintendo Switch without buying a Nintendo Switch, which is why I love this thing. Um, it's got so much versatility. That's what I love about Valve as a company. They're very open source. They're very open with their audience, with us, the PC gamer. I think the hardware move was a good thing. I think the the open source hardware move was a good thing. Like, I think that was a good thing. And I'm, I'm hoping that, like, as we transition into this more open marketplace mm-hmm. for Steam, or sorry, for, you know, it's like for games, I think, like, spurred on by all of the, unfortunately, all by all the legal stuff. It, I, I hope that this becomes easier to buy games and also 
probably even sell them. Like, if you develop things directly for this game and you don't have a big, big enough budget for it, you know, I really hope that you don't have to pay necessarily, like, 30% just to just to get your game up on this thing. I think a lot of companies should be excited for this. I mean, from a company's standpoint, if you're looking at this and you're looking at selling your games on the Steam store and you're looking at the products that Steam's coming out with, the handheld market with our generation, we were talking earlier, kind of throwing back to our childhood, you played a lot with PlayStation, ironically, with PSPs and stuff, and I played a lot mostly with my Nintendo DS and stuff. Eventually, I got into PlayStation, but my whole childhood, I think, was a lot in the Nintendo ecosystem. I, I started out with the DS Lite when that came out, and I upgraded every year or every other year, whatever it was since then. You know, they were releasing all these new DSs, the DSi, the 3DS, this and that, and then they eventually got the Wii in there, which was a huge step for them. Um, but I feel like with you and me, our generation, what we grew up with, a lot of it was handhelds. I mean, am I, am I wrong in that? I mean, I just remember going to the store with my mom, being in the car, uh, going to friends' houses, going to your house, and we would always have our handheld system with us. And I know Edward and I, in particular, would play a lot of uh, throwback to, to uh, Transformers <laughs> games that we would play and, and playing in the AllSpark arena. Oh, yeah, that's right. But I think they have a really good chance here, both with the younger audience, but also with our generation where we're grown up now, we're not kids anymore, uh, but we still play video games. We're still very active in this, this scene. So for them to tailor to our generation, and obviously not just us, other generations as well, but I feel like in our generation, we had the most amount of handhelds coming out. I mean, you had the golden age of PlayStation and had the handheld space locked down basically. And obviously that kind of died off and, and didn't really work with the PS Vita, unfortunately, because there wasn't really a market for that anymore. And it kind of died down and the way they executed it, obviously it wasn't the best. Um, but as well with Nintendo and Nintendo saw that. And even with, with the newer system with the Switch, which was released back in 2017, the original variation of the Switch, they saw that there was still a market for that handheld space, that people still want to play at home. They still want to play in their living room on their couch for those console enthusiasts, right? But people want to take their games on the go. People are busier nowadays. We're working more. We're traveling more. We're, we've got more plans. I mean, we are a very active generation. We go out. We do things. We go to concerts. We want to be able to do these things on the go. And Nintendo saw that. And so I think Valve, you know, Valve said they've had this console ready to go for a couple of years now i mean they they wanted it to release i think probably they would have had something right around when the switch originally came out and the steam deck this is what that was and it's finally coming now um due to you know the pandemic and all the shortages and delays i'm sure it was delayed way back and they pushed it back and they've been waiting to find a good release window and i think now is a great time for that mm -hmm. and i think that kind of encompasses everything we've been talking about today you know with between the landscape of gaming and, and between the console war and the pc i think what steam's doing is really cool bridging that gap between pc gaming and between console gaming enthusiasts being able to bring pc gaming into a compact package like the steam deck i think is very smart for them um seeing the impact it's having on people our age and other generations who grew up on those handhelds um as well as us seeing the future of ar you know arm cpus um and and us seeing streaming kind of becoming the next thing that they're trying to do internet bandwidth isn't quite there for streaming but us getting to dabble in that a little bit um with the steam deck as well as it having its own dedicated hardware and its own dedicated graphics processing to be able to process all these you know specs and stuff 
I think it's the right move, and I'm really excited to see what comes out of that. Um, and yeah, this has been fun, man. It's been really fun. Just oh yeah, chatting it up, talking yeah. about it. Um, really quick before we close out the episode. We're going to address the audience here, uh, you guys who are listening. We don't do this much, um, but since it is our first episode, uh, we kind of wanted to talk about the structure of this show um, and how it's going to go in the future. Um, when you guys are watching this, this will be released, uh, by the way, Happy New Year. This is released on the 1st of January, 2022. Let's make it a great year. So for those of you guys that are listening, um, and we'll talk more about this in other episodes, and we've got plenty of ideas uh kind of we're gonna have episodes like this where we talk about topics uh we have great stories that we'd love to share with you guys uh we're gonna be talking about some deep conversations but we kind of want to make this structured as a very casual space um it's going to be mostly edward and i just talking with each other like we do when we're gaming um just having a good conversation being able to share that with you guys kind of our thoughts on current situations uh whether it's tech whether it's entertainment anything else that we enjoy talking about um excluding obviously ever and i have talked kind of about what we want to talk about on this show uh, we will be excluding politics religion anything that is controversial we're keeping all of that out we don't want anything like that that's for a different space that's not really uh what we're all about um but just stuff that we really enjoy talking about stuff that comes natural to us um we want it to feel very natural connection with you guys the audience as well as with us we will be interacting with the audience um as we grow a little more in the future um but for now it's kind of just going to be hey you 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 come in yeah you get your cup of joe or you you know in the morning you can listen to us or even in the evenings come out get a glass of brandy uh just kind of take it easy with us in the evenings and listen to us we'll be releasing every other week starting january 1st it's going to be every other saturday um there's gonna be two episodes a month and I'm really excited for this project. Um, Reject Potato Skins has been a project that Edward and I have been thinking about for the past two years, actually. Um, and it started out as a joke. And we'll tell you about kind of the origins of the, the name of the podcast and other things in future episodes. But this is kind of our plan, and this is what we're doing. And our re- New Year's resolution is to do this for a year. We want to come back in a year, next December, and see that, hey, we did fully kind of a successful podcast we stuck with it we kept it going we kept a semi-consistent schedule um we do have lives outside of this obviously school and work full-time um so there will be times i'm sure where we're gonna have to make some compromises here and there with episodes but that's fine we don't want to break our backs for this podcast we want this podcast to be something fun that works around our schedules works around our conversations um like i said as natural as possible uh and i think you you agree with that um do you have anything to kind of add before we sign off, Edward? Um, there isn't really necessarily going to be one particular theme. Right. I, 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 you know, I think we're all complex individuals. We're very, we have more than one interest. Obviously, we want to keep out a lot of the things that are going to incite more harm than good. But the the general sense of this show is just going to be something that affects all of us and you know things that we believe can affect all of us and you know maybe tackle some things that some some of us have thought about maybe just a little bit but would like to expand on a little bit more so definitely going to be a a new interesting topic week to week you won't have to worry about us being repetitive 
And overall, you know, at the end of the day, it's going to be fun. And man, stay tuned for some of the stories that we have to tell you guys. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> above all else, oh just kind of like Josh Wolf, we do weird stuff. <laughs> so obviously not the same kind of stuff as him, but obviously we, we do weird stuff. We have done and experienced some weird stuff. So if you stick around long enough, you will you will definitely come to hear a lot of that. So uh, you have that to look forward to. And I think most importantly, just thanks to those of you guys who've stuck around for this hour-long session. Um, thanks for giving us a chance. Thanks for listening into our first episode. Um, like I said, this is an experiment for us, but it is a casual experiment for us. It's just for fun. We're not trying to take this too seriously. Um, we would love to interact with you guys as well. I think as we get more episodes out, if we see that there are more people interested in the show, we'll definitely be doing some more audio audience interaction. Excuse my words. <laughs> We've always had this idea, and we always love working on projects together, uh, doing creative things, and Edward and I, our, uh, our conversations come really natural, and we think that they're interesting enough conversations. We have people who've told us uh, that they'd love to listen in on them enough to where we wanted to create this podcast. So this is a space for us to share our thoughts on uh, just things we want to talk about, and kind of like we said, you know, we are going to have differently structured episodes it's not always going to be the same this is kind of our main structured one where we kind of talk about different topics that we're interested in that are kind of current events that are going on in our world whether it's with tech entertainment music videos anything we're interested in talking about um you know we might share some stories do some episodes like that eventually we're talking about maybe doing some video game live streams not very good at playing video games myself but Edward and i do uh plenty of video games together so maybe we'll do some live streams in the future um for those of you who are listening if you do have any comments questions concerns um definitely put them in, in the comments below uh make sure to subscribe uh click the bell if you want but just support us show us that you're there and uh yeah i think uh i'm very excited to see what's going to come out of this podcast edward and i think uh i think you are too and, and we're going to see some really really fun make some really fun memories and uh create some really interesting content with us and we're excited to share that experience that first time experience you only get the first time experience once yeah so make sure to subscribe make sure to join in on the rejected Podoskins family um come in experience us as we go through this journey together because um, it is between ever and i but it's not just the two of us it's us and whoever is coming along with us the audience um, rejected potato skins what we may make it but it's also what you guys make it what kind of content you guys want to see um but also being that casual enough space where it is still just as if you're walking into the room and you see Edward and I sitting at a table, you take a seat and you just decide to listen in. That's kind of what we want with this podcast. Until next time, I have been the guy that has made fur coats and angry at NVIDIA. And I'm making already expired maple syrup. I don't know how I'm uh, still in business, to be honest, but uh, I'll have to figure that out. Delicious. Thank you so much for joining. See you next time, guys. Oh, hey, yo, yo. I'm a catch potato. Oh, and I'm proud to say so. Oh, and I ain't gonna change. No, I ain't gonna change. No, I ain't gonna change. No, no, I ain't gonna change. No.